Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. I forgot who I was for a second. You sure did. I am Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. You know what? We're going to learn about self-identity today. <laughs> and and part a- of that starts with knowing your own name. I think this podcast where we're going to get to in a second is one of my favorite we've ever done. We're going to get to it in a second. Yes. But first we have big news. Mm -hmm. Very big news. You guys, we have a new game. It's called What the Flock, F-L-O-C-K. It is available for pre-order right now. We love this game. Like we have fun playing this this game. It's a card game. There's some strategy. There's some like there's a little bit of vocabulary, but mostly just finding ways to build these birds on a table and then take away other people's bird parts and their fun looking birds. Strategy, luck, strategy, all that stuff. Anyway, you can get it at whattheflockgame.com or on our website, theholdernessfamily.com. It was so much fun working on the development of this. And we're actually going to be doing a little preview of the gameplay next week yes. as a segment. So we did this with our last game. If you'd like to play with us on the show, please email us at podcast at com. We're going to pick a couple people, probably based on schedule and availability, to play a special segment next week. It'll be interesting to see how this plays over a podcast, but... Uh- it's going to be really interesting. We're going to figure it out through yeah. some like movie magic. I'll try. Yeah. I'll try to dust off my like sports radio commentary where you really have to paint the picture mm-hmm. of what's going on. Okay. Disclaimer. This is very important about this podcast. It contains issues around body image. There is speak of eating disorder, eating disorders and weight loss. So for many, that's a topic that's very sensitive. And if that is you, I want you to take care of yourself. And I want, we'll see you next week. Okay. I want you to hit pause and get out of here because we're not trying to, that's not how we do. I, another disclaimer. Okay. If you were a man and this is something that you know nothing about, and this doesn't, these, these topics don't bother you, but you think that you're not going to learn anything by hearing about these things. I would say you will learn something. I learned quite a bit. That's a very good disclaimer, honey. So men. Give it a try. Give it a try. I wrote a blog post that we published last week and it got a lot of feedback. And so what I was going to do is sort of read some parts of that before we set up our interview. It centers around the goal of staying body neutral and body neutrality. So should I just like read parts of it? Sure. Would that be good? No, I'd love it. Okay. I love where we've come in our language around our bodies. Models of all sizes cover magazines, performers in larger bodies headline tours, and the conversation has shifted to a body positive theme. I really do love it. But where does that leave us? The ones programmed to hate our thighs in the 90s, the ones who can still sing the Get In Shape Girl commercial. I think we should play the Get In Shape Girl commercial. I'm not familiar with it. Could you play it for me, please? Get in shape, girl. But that looks like it's meant for a very young audience. Yeah, for the record, that was not get in shape, boys, let's get, you know, strong and build our bodies. This was women, you need to be smaller. Back to the blog. I was in high school when I got mono. I had never been that sick before or since. I couldn't eat. I slept for a month. It was awful. I lost 20 pounds. When I went back to school, I was the center of attention. Boys noticed me now that my stomach was flat. Girls approached me in groups loudly asking for my secret. Being painfully thin in 1994 came with social rewards, but I felt awful. I was weak and the number on the scale would be irresponsible to maintain. My mother would feed me entire cheesecakes in an effort to get me to regain some much needed weight. 
Our family rarely dined out at restaurants, but my dad would come home with fries and milkshakes. Needless to say, by the time I entered college, I was back to a healthy, normal weight. But by then, I made the college dance team, and we were often weighed before our practice. None of us thought to question why a number on a scale mattered to our performance. As a girl and then as a young woman, I got the message. I met more when I took up less space. It wasn't until I started dating Penn that I realized not everyone exhausted mental energy on appearance and random scale numbers. For him, food and appearance is neutral. I studied him like a science experiment. Yes, he's naturally in a more lean body, but his weight has fluctuated over the years. If he wants to shed a few pounds, he makes some changes. If he's craving a burger and fries, he eats it. He knows that what he weighs or how he looks doesn't have an impact on how he's loved, how he shows up in the world, or what he's capable of accomplishing. As a woman who came of age in the days where a size six Jessica Simpson was blasted for having a weight problem, it was fascinating. I'm 100% positive I was trained in the way of disordered eating, but I'm lucky that I made it through the 90s and early 2000s without an eating disorder. Too many women I love were not as fortunate. If you're a regular listener to this podcast or a reader to this blog, you know I didn't escape without some other issues, high depression and anxiety. But for some reason, an eating disorder never set in. Still today, there's an awareness of my body I wish didn't take up space in my brain. If I had to label my relationship with the image I see in the mirror, I would say now more than ever, it's complicated. Over the holiday break, I had a discussion with a close friend about goals and resolutions for 2024. She said, I want to lose 20 pounds, but I don't feel like I can say that out loud anymore without being judged for not having absolute and complete body positivity. And how do I explain a change in eating habits to my daughters without creating body image issues for them? It reminded me of the line from America Ferreira's powerful monologue in the Barbie movie. When talking about impossible pressures of being a woman today, she said, you have to be thin, but not too thin, and you could never say you want to be thin. It seems like she was using a megaphone to say what a lot of women my age were whispering. Right now, it seems like a lot of celebrities are making a choice to use weight loss medication to reduce their size. It's their personal and private choice, but you can't log on to the internet without seeing pages of before and after photos. Someone should have the ability to make changes, don't get me wrong, I just wish it didn't make headlines. For the sake of my teenagers, I pray we aren't reverting back to a time when only thinness was celebrated. Aren't these women famous for really interesting things? Can we focus on their accomplishments and not their size, please? So how do we do it? How does my friend lose the weight she gained during the pandemic without undoing work of body acceptance? And me, with joy, I ate most desserts offered to me in December, leaving my pants a little tighter in January. My inner 90s child is trying to criticize the woman I am today because of a few pounds, and it pisses me off. I'll walk more, eat less dessert, and in time, I won't have to jump to pull my jeans on. Honestly, that's the easy part. The hard part is the conversation happening between my ears. This body has carried me all the way to 2024. It's endured an unmedicated childbirth, recovered from illnesses. This body won the freaking amazing race. Still, there's this weird voice starting to shame me for a few pounds. It's, it's really frustrating. I am thankful for my healthy body, but I don't know if I'll ever achieve 100% all the time body positivity. I think most times neutrality is more attainable. So that's my goal. I'm thankful and I'm proud of what my body has accomplished, but the size of it doesn't matter. So thank you for indulging me in reading that. I just feel like to set up the conversation I needed to kind of put out there where my brain space was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So first of all, this is one of the, the best things you've ever written. You're sweet to say um, that. I think, I bet it was hard for you to write. And I'm only saying that because I know sometimes when you go down old pathways, mm -hmm. they can be difficult for you. So I know that this wasn't a, an easy thing for you to do, but it's beautifully done. So I want to, I'm going to be part of this. Um, I'm going to be part of this interview with Anne Poirier and you're going to hear it. And I, I, really just wanted to mo mostly listen, but also represent some things that even the who thinks he is the most supportive male might do or say. Mm -hmm. Right now, my instinct, and I bet there's other people who are listening to Kim right now who are saying the same thing, is what are you talking about? You look great. I've, 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 I see you completely less, and you are a <laughs> 10. You're amazing, but 
that's not the point. That's yeah, that's not it's the point. It's not the point. Yeah. And so that is going to be the toughest thing for me to unlearn when we learn about body neutrality, mm-hmm. because I also want to be complimentary. And I know that you like compliments. I love compliments. But there's there's a, there's a I wouldn't say a tightrope. There's a line to be walked here, and it's very important. And I've already learned so much, so we should probably just get to the interview, right? Right. Hey, hang in there. We're going to be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Penn, you know I'm always looking for a snack that's both nutritious and tasty. Both a little snacky, yes. Uh, But of course, the healthy stuff tastes like sand, and the stuff that tastes good isn't healthy, right? Not IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are a quick, low-carb option that I love to grab for my midday slump. So start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. Get seven IQ Bar flavors, four IQ Mix flavors, and four IQ Joe flavors. And today, our listeners get an exclusive offer for 20% off plus free shipping. Just text Holderness to 64000, which is 64000. All IQ Bar products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMO, and artificial sweeteners. Plus, they're packed with high-quality ingredients to keep you physically and mentally fit. And they have a bunch of delicious flavors like chocolate sea salt, which is my favorite, peanut butter chip, and wild blueberry. Don't forget over 10,000 five-star reviews and counting. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix Sticks, and four IQ Joe Sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Holderness to 64000. Get your discount. Text Holderness to 64000. That's Holderness to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This show is sponsored by Care Of. Pen. The birds are singing. Mm-hmm. The the buds are on the tree. Yes. Winter is finally turning into spring. Yeah, you're a big fan of the spring. And you know, I also love the sun finally coming out from hiding. And you know me, the cold weather just wreaks havoc on my skin, my energy levels, everything. And that is why you've, Kim, you've been trying the Care of Vitamin Packs? Yep, they have these daily packs that you can take on the go, like ceramides, which help reinforce your skin's protective barrier, and iron for energy levels. Yeah, it's awesome because all you do to get started is take a short online quiz about your lifestyle and your health goals, and Care of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. And they ship high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. And something new at Care of, if you're not yet ready to subscribe to monthly packs, some of their best-selling vitamins are now also available in bottles. For 50% off your first Care of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code HOLDERNESS50. That's 50% off your first Care of subscription order at TakeCareOf.com and use code HOLDERNESS50. I'm going to introduce our new friend, Anne Poirier. Uh, it's spelled like Sydney Poitier, but with an R, if you're ever curious. And it's Anne with a A-N-N-E. Anyway, Anne is a certified intuitive eating counselor and eating disorder specialist. Having struggled with her own eating, food, weight, and body image challenges, she founded Shaping Perspectives, A Women's Way to Joy, and wrote the book Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance. Both share new, compassionate ways to think, act, and live with the help of body neutrality. She's been featured in the New York Times, Eating Well, the Huffington Post, and the Washington Post. She is the mother of two adult daughters and loves dancing to 80s music in her driveway. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much for joining us. So happy to be here. Thank uh, you. Well, this is such an important conversation, and I want to make sure we're getting it right. But I first am curious, can you just tell us how you came into this line of work and what exactly you help women and I'm assuming men too, what what, what you help people with? 
Sure. Well, I help people work through body image issues and also eating, changing their perspective around food, eating and exercise. And as a lot of people that do this particular type of work, it comes from my own past. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you think about how your past leads you to your passion. And that's really what happened for me. I had an eating disorder at 12 years old mm. when I was in the 70s, in the 1970s, which was before, well before caring Carpenter passed away with anorexia nervosa. And so that's my struggle started really early mm. as, you know, basically a preteen. Mm -hmm. And I have a very specific memory of events that pulled me into a negative body image that uh, I think is important to share because I think a lot of people have this kind of a story that they fall that had that's happened to them as well. And once they hear it, they go, Oh, well, then it's no wonder I've had these kind of issues and problems with my body or with food mm -hmm. along the lines. And so it started with a nickname from my brother and his friends, which is, you know, simple nickname. But when it was taunted and sang to me, I took it in in a very literal sense. And I'll share the nickname because I have, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me now, but the nickname was Annie Fanny Farmer and they would call my, you know, they had a little song and I can still hear it in my head. And it's interesting whenever you think about something from your past that is is connected to an emotion that's a hard emotion, it gets kind of hardwired into our body. And so when I, when I took in Annie Fanny Farmer as a 10-year-old, all I could hear was Fanny. Mm. Because, you know, my parents were, you know, oh, she's a chubby little baby. You know, I got all that. Mm -hmm. Stocky, sturdy, those kind of words were used to describe me. And so all of all of that kind of sets the t sets the stage. And then I just heard Fanny and my Fanny, you know, I had fat Fanny. Like that was, that was what played in my head and over and over and over again. And then in that same kind of time frame, when my mom took me to the doctors for your annual physical, mm -hmm. the doctor pulled her aside and said, you know, you better watch what she's eating. She's on the high end of the scale. So all of a sudden food became different at home. Mm. I didn't get to eat what my brother ate. He could eat anything he wanted, and things were a little bit more restrictive for me. Mm. And almost immediately following that was going to the store to get clothes for junior high and not being able to fit into the regular kids' clothes. And so you have these three events that really set my brain up as my body's wrong. I am fat. I need to do something about it because something is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what spun me into my first diet, which brought me right into anorexia nervosa and took a few years to heal from that. And so that was the start of this almost decades worth of negative body image and disordered eating mm -hmm. and a couple of relapses into eating disorders. And then it was when I finally, like something, something's got to give here. Right. So you're, you said this was in the 70s, 80s when this happened. Mm -hmm. I grew up, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s as well. And I can, I can certainly acknowledge that a lot has changed since then, but I could imagine those same events still happening today, despite your best effort. And maybe, maybe from different ways or different places. I'm thinking about cell phones and social media and stuff like that. Absolutely. I think our, our children today have 24 seven struggle with images and mm -hmm. words and phrases and bullying and weight bias mm -hmm. and things like that, that can really happen. And then there are doctors that don't really understand that bodies are different. And some children are a little bit bigger than other children and that's okay. And how do we, how do we teach and help role model? You know, Kim, you had, you had talked about that kind of how, how do we help our kids yeah. hear something different, you know, instead of, instead of living the exact same way that we have lived through all of that negative, negative media. You are a living, breathing example that you can work through this and you can change your life for the better, you know? So, and one of the things you have educated on is this term body neutrality. I think for a while, a buzzword or term, and it works for a lot of people, so I'm not shaming this at all, mm -hmm. but body positivity. And 
I loved it. And I love it, I think, because I love that we're seeing different body sizes represented in, on the media and, and on social media and in stores, and there's more size inclusivity. I love that. But sometimes I don't feel so body positive, and then it makes me feel worse that I don't feel positive about it. Then I feel shame that I don't feel exceptionally positive. So did you have something, Ben? I was just going to ask, for those who don't know what body neutrality means what what it how you use it as a tool okay i think both great questions and body neutrality if i were to kind of define it is body neutrality is seeing your body as the as the vessel or the vehicle that we move through our life in so it is not it it takes the focus away from appearance which is more body positivity generated so the body positivity movement actually came about in the 60s and was a kind of a fat activist group. Okay. And yeah, and so that's, it's just an interest, there's an interesting storyline behind that, but then it was kind of co-opted and, and taken for, from other people to say, it unfortunately is all about just your body and how it appears and how it shows up Got it. and being positive around that. And that I think is a good, that is good as well, right? Kim? Right. I think you you're, you hit the nail on the head there. It is a good movement, but we don't always feel positive about our bodies. <laughs> yeah. And we don't always love our bodies and that's okay. And body neutrality, I call it this resting place in the middle, which is, which is meaning that sometimes I don't love my body. Mm-hmm. I might never love my body. But with that said, in the same breath, I don't have to hate my body either. Yeah. My body can be somewhere in the middle here and it's turning down the voices and the noise of social media, of, of weight bias, of fat stigma, that kind of thing. And it's turning up the internal voice of my body is a pretty amazing vehicle that every, every single experience of my life I have had in this body, the good and the bad, the sad and the happy, but the body does it all mm-hmm. and can we see the body differently and look at the body for for what it does rather than what it looks like that makes so much more sense to me than trying to get in front of the mirror and like high five myself every day <laughs> but i but i'm also super jealous of there cuz there was a woman at our pool over the summer and she just naturally had you know a, she was in a bigger body and she, you could tell she loved every inch of herself. She was in it. She wore a small bikini. She went off the diving board. The thing went up her butt and she loved it all. And I'm like, that is what I want. That is what I want. But I don't know if my brain will ever get there. So neutrality makes like, that's like such a perfect goal. I can do that. I can be super neutral about it. It's very mm-hmm. achievable. Mm-hmm. And to think about the fact that it can go, it can fluctuate up to that joy. Mm-hmm. And I love my body and dur- during dur- certain things. Yeah. And what gives us confidence and what brings out that joy in our bodies. And we want to we want to jump on that too and enjoy that. And then sometimes it's just it is here it is. Yeah. I think that's an important um, thing to say because it's almost like just taking the average of your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ma- make it a math equation. Be zero because I was sitting here thinking I'm like I'm never going to feel the same way about anything in my life. It just goes, I have, I'm, I'm a bit of an emotional roller coaster. So just knowing that, okay, let's just meet, let's have it right in the middle. Don't be too excited about yourself. Don't be too upset about yourself. Net zero is what we're looking at. <laughs> and I, I mean, and I was talking to Penn about it because I, I wrote in that blog post about how neutral he appears to be about his body because he, it, you know, he comes naturally in a more lean body, but his weight has fluctuated here and there. And he just, it, but it's not, um, super, it doesn't appear to me to be super emotional, but he told me, you know, when we were talking about that, he goes, no, I, I'm not perfect in this. Like I have some stuff. So uh, men are not exempt either. Right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think men, younger men now have more pressure to look a certain way. And if you, if you look at some of this, this early stats, young girls, are already aware of their bodies by three, four, five. Oof. In in kindergarten, I mean, I've heard stories, unfortunately, from some of my clients. Uh, their kids in kindergarten are being bullied for Wait, their size. When you say aware of your bodies, you mean like, because you still have a lot of 
I'm going to use the word. You're just out of pull-ups at that point. Yeah, I'm using the word fat correctly here. Humans are born with a bunch of fat, and it doesn't all go away until you're way after that age, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. But it can be seen seen as wrong and seen as you are too big for your body at I, that age. I and do. the little ones can can understand it too. I do have very clear memories of just being the biggest one in preschool. I, I, I The biggest one in, in kindergarten because I went into gymnastics and, and listen, my parents, like they did a great job. Like it, we just never talked about that stuff. So it, it was, it was, didn't come from a home, but I remember going to gymnastics and there was little teeny tiny, it's a, it's a sport for little teeny tiny people. And at the time I was not little teeny tiny. And I just remembered being very aware. I like, it was like, whoa, I look different. That's, that's crazy. I, I know we're going to cover, you have three things you're going to help us learn today. And I just want to preview those. You're going to talk to us about practicing body gratitude. You're going to talk to us about practicing self-compassionate, neutral body talk. And you're going to talk to us about shifting focus away from weight to health, among other things. But I just wanted to preview those. So can you talk to us, t- teach us how to practice some gratitude? Mm, I know gratitude. I think about gratitude overall in general gratitude as the probably the best ROI of an investment of mm-hmm. anything right and ROI meaning return on investment mm-hmm. for short periods of time it doesn't take us long to practice gratitude in our days and we can do it in a minute or two minutes during a day and it brings us some really outstanding rewards when it comes to our overall health and well-being mm-hmm. and body gratitude especially seeing our bodies, from a different perspective, especially if you've grown up hating your body for decades. And then if you're hating your body, you're also not treating your body very well mm-hmm. during those periods of time. You're saying practicing. I think, is there a script? Is there something you say? Is there a mantra? We love scripts over here. So, because I, I don't know if, if I can just look at myself and do the Stuart Smalley, <laughs> smart enough no. and doggone it, people like me, but maybe that's it. I don't know. No, I think you have to, here's the interesting thing. I think you have to have something that your brain's going to believe. Okay. Right. Because I call them the peanut gallery, because if you don't, the little peanut gallery in the back of the brain is going to be, who do you think you are? What do you think? You're kidding, right? You're just kidding yourself. So we have to say things that we can believe. And for some people, I always ask people to start when it comes to their body, to their senses. You know, what are, what do you love about what you see in the world? What do you love about what you hear in the world? What do you love about what you smell in the world or taste or touch, right? So we look at our senses. My arms get to hug my daughter and that is such a wonderful thing. Mm. My legs can take me from here to the mailbox. I can actually get my own mail or my legs can, you know, bring me to the grocery store. My eyes can see a beautiful sunrise. Yeah. My ears can hear laughter of my grandkids. Like those are the things that we can start to say around our bodies to be grateful for these bodies that we have. I love that because you're not saying I love my thighs. <laughs> like that's not. They're it. useful. But no, they're really yeah. useful. Yeah. They are. They do. Uh, my, my legs get me to a lot of places. Yeah. Right. They yeah. provide us tremendous independence. I think about, I think about our legs, tremendous you, independence. You could get to a lot of places if your legs worked and if they work, <laughs> you should be really grateful for them. I love that. Talk to us on the next point about practicing self-compassionate, neutral body talk. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, think about, and, and you used this term brilliantly, the brain space, yeah. that weight or calories in or calories out or how my body looks or how clothes feel the brain space that's taken up by the critic the negative the the negative voice why are you always doing that why can't you get this right your thighs look so fat and these things what whatever the voice is that negative critic and we have created basically neural pathways in our brain around some of the the stories we've told ourselves about our bodies and the only way out is to start being more compassionate and kind to ourselves. And that starts with almost some of this, this gratitude. Can I just be more kind or kinder 
to my body and to myself as a human being. I am not perfect. I'm human. I'm figuring things out. Like those are neutral phrases. I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of some neutral phrases that can help us not beat ourselves up, not jumping into the beating ourselves up, but being a little bit more neutral about how we're moving through our days and how we're moving through our lives. And it's connected to the body, but it's also connected to, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, I just failed at 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 doing that um, particular project, or I, I can't believe I just broke another mug. Why? How? how stupid why why can't you you know why can't you just pay more attention those things instead of saying up oh, well okay so next time maybe i'll just try to be doing one thing at a time instead of trying to do six man self-compassion is helpful for everything not just people with body issues it's helpful for mm -hmm. athletes it's helpful for me it's helpful for people with adhd so that's a great example uh, of, of how to practice self-compassion. Uh, third one, shifting the focus from weight to health. If I'm, well, I'm a health coach, so that's what I do. Right. And a lot of times people do come in with their very first thought. And I will just, just on a side note, probably due to society, right. I want to lose, lose weight. weight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's, there's that piece. And so we take the weight and we talk about the weight and we validate the weight. This is, this is something that I want, but then we dive underneath it a little bit more. If you were to want to lose weight, if you were going to lose weight, what would you do? What were the, what would be the behaviors that you would start to instill in order for that to happen? And so we talk about what are some of the health behaviors that are helpful for us when it comes to losing weight or weight management. I like to use the term weight management a little bit. Okay, a that's bit better. That's a that. better one. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a better way of kind of looking at it. Mm -hmm. I don't really care for the lose weight term anyway. I like I think about releasing it. If I'm going to let it go, I'm going to let it go. I'm right. not going to like find it again. So weight management can be okay. Well. We have to think about the way we're eating and what we're eating. And so we want to look at that. And then we want to look at how we're exercising and moving our bodies. And how, we're, how are we dealing with stress? What does that look like? How, how are we sleeping? What does that look like? Because there's so many things that impact right. our health. And so we talk about the weight, but then we put the weight aside. I use the term that comes from intuitive eating, the intuitive eating world, mm -hmm. to put it on the back burner. I'm going to put that on the back burner. We know it's there, but let's focus on these behaviors. And this, these health behaviors. And what does it mean for you? I have all my all my clients define healthy for them. What does health mean for you? Mm -hmm. Because healthy for you might be different than healthy for me. Mm -hmm. What does healthy feel like to you? Well, I want to feel better. Well, what does that mean? You know, and, and kind of diving underneath some of those questions so that we have a little bit more basis to work on behaviors to help them. There was that... Uh, monologue in the Barbie movie. I don't know if you saw the Barbie movie. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like, oh, my brilliant, brilliant, brilliant monologue. I, I mean that <laughs> mon. It. I saw it. It's so funny. I saw it with my son and my husband, who were great. They, 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 love, they've also watched it several times. They're, they were good viewers, but also with one of my very best friends, and we, and my and she and I were kind of like clutching our. We were, just, you know, we had tears in our eyes. And when that, when she said, "You can," you know, the whole monologue, we both kind of had that like it knocked the air out of us a little bit. We both went <gasps> like it, our, we, our voices caught and because they, she just said it out loud. So there are, there are people, men and women that, yeah, they indulged over the holidays. They, or they, during COVID gained 20, 30 pounds and they now want to, you know, lose the weight. So how do you, in a neutral way, and, you know, and they want to, they want to feel better, whatever that is. Like, how do we even talk about that now in front of our kids, to our friends, all that, or, or do we, or do we keep quiet about it? It seems like very, this other friend who I was talking to, she had, she is, you know, she doesn't fit into her clothes. Like she does all these things she wants to change, but she's like, I don't want to set this bad example that I have to change myself. Like it's, there's, there's a lot going on between the ears here. Yeah, and, and that's the work that needs to be done with conversations like you might be having with her mm -hmm. or the people that will open up and talk to, you know, talk to each other about what's going on and what are their what are they feeling? Mm -hmm. Because there's something underneath that's usually driving the need for for weight loss or the want for weight loss. 
if somebody wants to lose weight because they are having a hard time doing the things that they want to be able to do with your with their bodies, then we want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to role modeling for kids, I think there's two different questions there that yeah. you asked. When it comes to role modeling for kids, we really don't want to talk about it. We want to be looking at our bodies as the amazing vehicles that they are and trying not to beat ourselves up or talking to ourselves in the mirror or pulling at our clothes or pinching our thighs. Like those are habits that our, our kids will see. So, and so we want to be aware of how we role model for them. So if someone out there is listening and they have, you know, made a new year's resolution to, they want to make a change on the scale. You're saying to me, they should not talk about it in front of their, they should not talk about it in front of their kids. They can talk about it, but talk about it in a way that's, that's focused on behavior, okay. not focused on like scale and weight. weight management. The stuff you were talking about before. Right? Yeah. 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 It's not about the weight. I am trying to he- eat more vegetables. Okay. I know that my body needs vegetables and you know what? I haven't really, I I didn't eat a lot during vacation and Christmas vacation. I was eating um, more cookies and more crackers and more cheese and more whatever. And that's okay. And now I know that my body is needing some more vegetables and needing some more kind of proteins. And so that's what I'm going to be doing for my body. So it's the behavior behind it. I'm going to be drinking some more water. Okay. I'm going to get out and start doing some more exercise. I really stopped exercising i haven't been moving that my body very much okay i want to talk about uh, america ferrera I'm, I'm glad you brought her up because first of all i loved that monologue as well i was not i was it, it, my breath remained in my body but i <laughs> i saw how it affected my friend and, and my wife and it got me thinking like man she's she's so good america Ferrera's so good she did this show called ugly betty a long time ago and i thought that was like a much more subtle but kind of genius way to start talking about body neutrality she's been doing it for years man this yep. was this was a woman who was a perfectly normal size but who was like walking around the fashion industry with a bunch of twigs and she was the most healthy happy person of the entire group and I'm wondering, aside from those two roles by America Ferreira, who are the role models? Who are the, who are the champions of body neutrality in the world who you look at and say, man, that person is doing it right as either an influencer or an actress or an actor? Are there any ones that really step out, that stick, not stick, what's the word? Stick out. Stick out. What a brain fart that was. Um, I, stand out. I did not stick the Who Stand out. There it is. Are, who, who stands out for you? You know, I think that that monologue did the exact same thing for me, mm-hmm. number one. And she pulled the shame that we hid with yeah. out and threw it out into the open. Mm-hmm. So it's it hit a lot of people viscerally like that mm-hmm. because of that. I, that's a really good question, Penn. And to be honest, I I don't have anybody off the top of my head because there's it's on this spectrum. There are people in the, on the body positivity advocacy side, fat liberation, body liberation advocacy side. And there are some people out there that are, that are promoting that and doing some good work in, in that space. This body neutrality space is something that's kind of, it's not embraced by a lot of people. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, it's, I, and I say it saved my life. Mm -hmm. This concept of just saying, I am never going to love my body. At the time I was, I'm never going to love my body. I I just know that because I've hated it for almost 50 years. So Mm -hmm. why would I, you know, ever love my body? And so the neutral space gave me a space to say, okay, I don't have to love my body. Yeah. And I don't have to hate my body because that's not helpful either. It's just this this nudge up the spectrum of of body image, you mm-hmm. know, a full body image spectrum, and body positivity has a really great place mm-hmm. in part of the spectrum. It's a place where people see see feel seen, feel heard, feel validated that their bodies are are not the size that society thinks they should be, and they can go, oh, yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to starve myself to look a certain way or hate myself because I don't look a certain way. That being said, one of the things you recommend is cleaning up your social media feed, which I did a long time ago. And wow, did that make a huge impact? Just, yeah. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Just seeing 
images that make you feel bad about yourself over and over and over again, it just creates more and more self-loathing mm-hmm. and more and more comparison, more and more criticism, stronger, more degrading, destructive inner talk voice, right? All of those things happen if you start, if you're continuing to see things that make you feel bad about yourself. And so allowing ourselves to fill our feeds with all different size bodies mm-hmm. and different different messages, that can be really helpful, you know, curating and putting aside the things that are just making you feel bad. We know that we can't quite stop it, but we can control what we take in for ourselves, especially when it comes to social media. It, I, I have a 16-year-old daughter who's just amazing. And I think, and I do love, I asked her about this topic about, you know, she saw the Barbie movie as well. I asked her what she thought about that monologue and uh, it didn't register her with the same way at all because it's nothing that it's just nothing she talks about. And I asked her, I'm like, do you and your friends talk about body image, anything like that? And she's like, no, that would be so rude. So it's just so they uh, allegedly, or that what she's telling me is they don't talk about it. And I think because she's an athlete, I think she looks up to women like Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka and these, you know, these women who are just so muscular and strong instead of, you know, I was a dancer growing up. So the, the, the thinness was so celebrated. I just think it's so, I think it's different enough that I pray that it's a little different, but I will say that she, I check her social medias and who she's following and I'm not going to, I'm not here to bash people, but there's a particular family out there in which there's a lot of daughters and they are definitely plastic surgeried. And I don't have a problem with plastic surgery. Get your, pla- you may see me one day where my, my, I might ha- come here with like facelift or something. I don't know. I'm not, but I feel real like you're telling me you got this body. I know just going to be like, just like a lot of teeth and eyes, <laughs> but I'm like, you're telling me you got this body naturally. And I just have to remind, like, I'm just reminding you, this was surgical. These are surgical things that have happened to these bodies, no matter what they say. So that is not, and that's not something you should strive for because literally God does not make bodies that way. So mm-hmm. I, that is just welcome to my TED talk. That was my TED. That was talk. lovely. <laughs> yeah, that was my TED talk. I think though that what you what you said there, what's really important to understand is that all bodies are different. Yeah, and they are going to be different. And if we compare ourselves to someone else, period. Yeah. How do we do it? Genetically, we're all different, mm-hmm. and we've had completely different experiences in our lives. And we've had completely different upbringings and all of it's going to be infiltrated into, you know, into our bodies and the size of our bodies and they're going to be different and that's okay. Interesting. So, and I'm, I'm hearing all of this and I'm sitting there thinking about like me and Kim or, or you know, cause like we're, I'm going to be 50 this year. So on that note, like what about the olds like us? Do you ever have to like, just sit them down and say, look, <laughs> <laughs> it's some stuff's going to happen. You know, like the, the warranties expired and th- this is a good time for you to learn body neutrality. Like you're not going to look, I uh, you're, don't look at pictures of you when you're 25 um, yeah. because that's not who you are anymore. This is who you are now. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm saying that wrong, but maybe you can help me out with the best. No, but way I think that. That, that, that aging is part of it. Yeah. We are going to be changing. Our bodies change. Our faces change, our hair changes, like those things change as we get older, especially as you as you go through menopause too for, for mm. women, the whole body thing changes. Everything starts to change. And how do we accept the changing of our bodies? And how do we embrace the changing of our bodies? And that's a new conversation. It's not a conversation that's happened. Just like body shaming, bodies have been shamed, you know, so is aging. Yeah. You know, and that's Part of this, how do we embrace? I I just turned sixty this year, and I am so like, yes, <laughs> yes. I just hit another like I hit another floor yes. on the on the on the on the rise up, and to say you know I can do whatever I can do in my body, and I have to respect my body and listen closer to my body because it might be telling me things now that it didn't tell me last year or ten years ago, and how can I start to really continue? 
as I continue this aging process to, you know, okay, what's my body saying to me around food and eating? Oh, I can't really eat that spicy stuff anymore because that's really not, that's causing havoc mm-hmm. on my on my stomach. Or I can't do the things with my body that I used to be able to do. Okay, well, what can I do? What can I do with my body? How do I work with that and move forward with that versus focusing on what we can't do? And that I think is what happens sometimes as we get older. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that anymore. And I don't feel like good doing this anymore. And so it gets frustrating instead of embracing this aging process and embracing our changing bodies. It's, they're always going to be changing. They're always changing. I heard you mention intuitive eating. And are you an intuitive eating coach? What, what is your, what's your process? And first of all, what is intuitive eating? Because I hear that and I intuitively Thank you. I was about to ask that. want to eat, eat a, a lot of, well, <laughs> so, so in December, for example, you know, I, I work out, I eat right because of all the things I want my body to do, but I intuitively wanted to eat all the cookies that my neighbors bought. So I'm like, I'm thinking like, what, so what does that mean? <laughs> I wonder if that's not intuition, if that's something else. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm kidding. I was, I, was, I was using it wrong. I was using it wrong. No, so I am an intuitive eating counselor. Okay. That's what it's called, right? And intuitive eating means to tune into your body, not necessarily your mind. Okay. So, so am I hungry? What does hunger feel like? What does hunger feel like for you is going to be different than what hunger feels like for me. And if we if we look on hunger, you know, there's a hunger scale, one to ten we use, right? But what does it feel like to be getting hungry? Because when we get to a one and we're starving, all bets are off and it doesn't matter. And we're going to eat whatever we, we can get our hands on, right? And so this intuitive eating is kind of finding the nuance, nuances of like a three on the, hunger sale, on, on the hunger scale so that I can go, okay, I'm getting hungry. So I better think about what I want to eat before all bets are off. Okay. And then tuning into when is comfortable fullness for me. Not I stuff myself like Thanksgiving fullness, because that's not very comfortable. And I don't like that feeling. What is comfortable fullness for me, which could be different for everybody, it might be a seven or an eight on a kind of on that scale. And it's tuning more in to our own physical body's reactions to food and feelings around food. I think this is something that my husband practices without knowing it so perfectly. Because I remember there's one time we were going through like a Baskin Robbins drive through and it was after dinner and the kids had convinced us to go get ice cream. And, you know, we're ordering it through the drive drive through and he's, you know, he, he's, he didn't get anything. He's like, Oh, I'm not hungry. I'm like, you don't have to be hungry to get ice cream. And he's like, Oh no, I'm just not, I'm not in. And he, he, cause he wasn't hungry, but if he was hungry, he totally would have had it. So I think that, am I wrong? I mean, you did that. What she just described is, is actually not natural for me. Yeah, a little bit. So when I say I'm not hungry for ice cream, it's because I know how farty and bloated I get from eating ice cream. <laughs> fair. Like I, fair. I just don't say that out loud. Okay. I feel like that's a, a weird thing to say. So I just say I'm not hungry. So I'm sorry I was being dishonest there. No, no, But no. I always want ice cream. Okay. But, okay. but I also am able to, like, I try to remember when I wake up the next morning, I have a sneezing attack, I fart, my poop looks a little funny, and <laughs> my stomach hurts. Like all those things. I don't, uh, like, I... It's- See, that really wouldn't stop me from eating the ice cream. <laughs> that's the difference. So, so that's interesting because I, that is intuitive eating. Oh, good. Like, hey, okay, so I'm doing you, it. Yeah. You, you already know what your body is going to, how your body is going to respond if yeah. you eat ice cream. And you get to have a choice. So, Kim, you get to have a choice. Yeah. I can choose that I am going to eat this ice cream and have all that stuff happen to me <laughs> because I'm choosing to have the ice cream. Yes. But I also know. Tomorrow. Also, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have conscious like, and aware. Yeah. So, so you, he does it so, and there are times where he is super hungry and he goes back for thirds, you know, and because he, because his body, he hasn't had enough to eat during the day or he worked out a lot or had a very physical de- demanding day and he'll eat a ton. And there are other times he's like, yeah, I'm good. He is the most naturally intuitive eater. If I'm using the definition correct, correctly. And it, no, he, it's a good example. You do it well. Thanks, babe. Yeah. Get- can I ask a question? Please. This is a, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a left turn. It's like a, I'm veering a little bit here. But I like to compliment people on how they look. I'm a Southerner, and I like to say nice things about people. I, was, I saw a woman that I had not seen in like four months, and she had clearly made a commitment to change 
her, her health habits and looked thinner and looked, I think in general healthier. I don't, I I'm, I'm married to a woman who is teaching me all about this. I didn't say anything, but I, that I walked away wondering, I wonder if she would have liked to have heard that. So I, that's question number one. Like, so should you mention, should oh, I lost weight? And if so, I'm sure there's a better way to say it than you've lost weight. I don't think that's what I would have right, said. I would right, have no. said, I would have you said, look amazing. I would have said, I don't know what I would have said. Nothing. Mm. What? Like, yeah. So I, I, and I think there's a lot of men and women out there who like to say nice things to their friends about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, you look really healthy. Are that's you doing okay. Anything different. Yeah. Are you doing anything different? Because even they might even look healthy but mm-hmm. they might not be healthy. Yeah, they might be sick. Right. They might be sick. Yeah, so I didn't know that either. And then, you know, so it all depends on the person. So okay. yeah, there are going to be people that are going to want you to say something and then there are going to be people that no, don't say anything. Okay. And how are you to know? And so I just, you know, smile and greet them and boy, it's great to see you. Yeah, I, but, I So know, nothing. Got or it. you look happy. You know, if they got look it. happy. Yep, that's good. If they, you know, then... Let- then let, use that. Yeah, let them say it. Okay. All right. That's question number one. Question number two. Ever since you said you were 60, I've been wanting to say you look great for 60. But you should <laughs> say you look great, not for 60. I know. That's what I'm trying to work out here. I know that I'm not supposed to we're say not that. Say, no, but, so that's a whole other thing, right? With Right. That's and, another term. You know, yeah. That's a, yeah. And for, so, so with friends, with people that you care about, with right. people that you are friendly with, you can ask the question, you know, you can have a conversation. So when it comes to body, I am kind of learning about this body neutrality thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you heard about it and, you know, d- does it, do you respond? How do you respond when somebody talks to your, talks to you about your body or tells you, you've, you know, you look good or you've lost weight or anything like that? Because that actually can be a trigger for someone yeah. to spiral. And the thought process, unfortunately, with anybody that's had had any disordered eating or body image issues is, well, what did they think I look like before? Right. See? And and so I'm trying to learn that because I just met you. I just saw you. And I think as soon as you see someone, you probably make assumptions about them. They're subversive assumptions. You don't say them out loud. But I always love people tell me I look good for 49. That's, and so that's why I wanted to ask. And I'm glad I learned something there. I, will yeah. s- I stopped saying... Oh, you look great. I stopped commenting on anybody's appearance years ago, actually, because his parents are in this, it's Marta, like in this skilled nursing facility and the, and the activities director, she looked like she had lost weight. And I was like, Marta, have like, you look great. And she's like, I've lost 10 pounds. I'm like, look at you. She goes, no, I didn't want to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> Marta she's, said that. Yeah. She's like, I like my curves. And she's yeah. like, I've just been so busy. Whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I made this assumption that she wanted to look different. How dare I? Because she did look great before. I mean, she looked amazing. So I, I that taught me to like just shut my face to not say anything. And and, and, and I, I do. I'm like, you look so happy right now. Tell me your secrets. And so mm-hmm. that's yeah. kind of cured. For the record, I haven't done any of these things in a while. I'm just she's here, so I want to find out why I shouldn't be doing them. No, and that's, that's so this is useful. Yeah, but um, you do look yeah, great I for sixty. The, the, <laughs> the, the thing is, it is is using different terminology. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that color looks really great on you. Like, can it be a can it be a non physical right. trait right compliment? Because we do like to to hear compliments. I saw an article. Probably it was probably about six or eight months ago. Sixty ways to compliment somebody without talking about their oh, I love body. that. That's what right? I need. And yeah. that's that's what we all need. And so <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah yeah because I think we were all taught. I mean, I think my my grandfather would be like, "Oh, you're so pretty," or like my mom too. I mean, like you just want to say like, "Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty." And like, of course, it's lovely to hear that, but that is such that's not thing I can control. Like that's not, and there are definitely days I'm not. I want to talk a little bit as we wrap up here. There is, it seems as if there is a lot of celebrities that are being highlighted right now in the media that have confirmed or maybe even not, but they have used uh, drugs to uh, lose weight and which I maintain it's their personal choice to, you can do what you need to do for your body. That is your personal choice. But I sort of hate that they, and they're not choosing this, but all their before and afters are just in the media nonstop. And I just think that's so harmful. And that's not the celebrity's problem. It's the media's problem. How should we be processing all of that? Um, blocking it, number, <laughs> number one. Yeah. Trying trying as best you can. If it, if it triggers you to block it, it's not, 
because it will be anytime that pops up on my feed, I block it because I don't want to see that. And I agree with your, everybody has a right to choose. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think about another term that you may not have heard is body autonomy. Okay. Like this is my body. I have the right to choose what, what is best for my body. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to choose what you think is best for my body. Right. Because what you think is best for my body might not be what I think is best for my body. Yeah. So that's part of the decision making. And then when it comes to the to the weight loss medic medications that are out there now, I believe for some they can be a very useful tool. Mm -hmm. And then I also believe for others that it is not going to be helpful for them mm. just because of some of the other things that come from that. If there is, how do people who have lived in a larger body going to feel when their body is different, but they do not feel different mm -hmm. and their mind is the same and their body seems to look the same, but then you have all these people commenting and complimenting them. You know, I believe that there's, we haven't touched, we haven't gotten there yet and we haven't, we haven't put our toe into that. I, th I think there could be some some trouble brewing too for um, people that may have maybe have suffered trauma and then all of a sudden their body is different and people are seeing them differently and then they're they're going to be um, feeling different mm -hmm. and not being able to handle what they're feeling and yeah. that might spiral into other types of um, disorders and other types yeah. of troubles yeah. addictions and other things that could be harmful Never thought of that. Yeah. Never once considered that perspective of what what that does to your brain and your identity. Yeah. Not one single time. Our identity is caught up, unfortunately, I think. And that's part of this shifting the focus from weight to health is, you know, really I part of my body image work is separating self-worth from our the size of our body yeah. or the weight on the scale. And it has gotten so wrapped up together. Mm -hmm. That if I look like this, then I am worthy. Yeah. If I look like this, I am unworthy. And that can be so harmful in the, the choices that we make and how we live our lives. And so we have to really, I use the term divorce, but we have to divorce our self-worth from the size of our body and our body image and the weight on the scale. And we have to see ourselves. I actually do an exercise, um, like a visualization around that to prove to people <laughs> That they are not their bodies, that their worthiness does is not wrapped up in the size of their body. What is that visualization? What's that sound like? What's that look like? Um, if you were to if you were to close your eyes and think about two people that you you love to be around, you love to hang around. You know, they're good friends. You text them. You go to dinner. You do things with them, and then write yourself a list or think about what are their traits, what are their qualities, what do you like about them, why do you like to hang around with them. You know, what is it about them? And then as they kind of develop a little list of things that they're, why they like their friend, I ask, does it have anything to do with the size of their body? Never. And at 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with the size of their body. And then we flip the, we flip the visualization, you know, think of a couple of people that like to hang around you. You know, why? What do you bring to the table? Why do they want to hang out with you? Mm -hmm. What is it about you? And that actually can be hard for some people to even, and so I so if it's hard for you, text your friends, have them tell you, why do they like to hang around you so that you know, and then does it have anything to do with the size of your body? Never. No. Yeah. We are not the size of our body. Mm -hmm. This body is just the vehicle that we get to express joy and happiness and, and love and compassion and friend and friendship and understanding and validation and sitting in the suck with people like that's, you know, that's who we are. It's not the size of our thighs. You had so many amazing takeaways here. I've learned so much from talking to you and I know people are going to be interested on in finding your work and, and all, so where can people find you? And let's spell it to make sure everyone knows you have a wonderful <laughs> French name. It should be pronounced and, Poilier. And with, yeah, and with an E, because <laughs> yep. my mother made sure that we had, yep. it was even, yeah. A-N-N-E. Yep. And then Poirier is P-O-I-R-I-E-R. -E 
Okay. And you can find, I have two books out there. One is my story, The Body Joyful, my journey from self-loathing to self-acceptance. And that is really shares my story, but it also shares my way out of my story and into the, the work that I do now. And so if you want a free copy of that, you can just write me at Anne at the and I'm happy to send a digital copy to you. And then I have a children's book because this is, this is my mission is to reduce bullying and body shaming and weight stigma, negative self-talk and all of that. And that's my not a fat Annie book, which I'm very proud of because it's, it's trying to hit some of our younger generation because they've, I don't want them to have to deal with uh, yeah. feeling and having the hit of that American Ferrara's speech. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I really don't. I want I want them to be able to be in different sized bodies and grow up and be happy and healthy and and have fun and not have to worry about changing their body for other people. And they can so. find your work or contact you through the bo- at this, Shaping Perspectives. Yeah, okay. shapingperspectives.com is uh, the website. And it is all about shaping our perspective. I love it. On our bodies and our food on on exercise. That's that can change everything. Uh, you guys can look for the blog post where we'll put all those links. Also in the show notes will be all, all those links. So if you're driving and didn't get a chance to write those down, we will have those. I am really sorry that that you had to experience what you experienced when you were 10, 11, 12 and, and, and all that. But I'm thankful you were able to turn that into something where you can help so many people because no doubt you've been able to shape perspectives for a lot of people so we're thankful for that and thankful for you thank you thank you thank you so much for having me and having us open up this conversation because i think it's an important one to have Mm, well this has been great thank you thank you